you'll take your Bible with me and if you'll find your place at 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. I want to begin reading in verse 5, and I want to read down through verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Listen carefully, verses 11, 12, and 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, in these next few minutes, we're going to be talking about such an important matter Lord, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. There are people listening to my voice today who have no assurance about their eternal destiny. And I pray, oh God, today that you'll speak through your word and that you'll touch our hearts and cause us to see that you can, we can know how to go to heaven and we can know that we are going to heaven. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. There was a Sunday school teacher that was teaching her first grade class about how to go to heaven. How do you get into heaven? And she had spent the whole class time trying to make sure the students understood the lesson. And so finally, toward the end of the class, she said to them, Class, if I sell my house, sell my cars, and have a garage sale, and sell all my stuff, and give it to the church, or give it to the poor, will that get me into heaven? And, of course, the class together answered, no, no, that won't get you into heaven. So she said, secondly, she said, if I clean the church every single day, clean up every dirty spot in the church, clean the bathrooms, mop the floors, mow the lawn, and keep it immaculately, will that get me into heaven? And again, the class responded, no, no, that isn't going to get you into heaven. And so she said, if I'm good to my husband all the time, and if I'm good to my children and do everything for them and give candy to all the children in the church and am wonderful to all the pets in the neighborhood, will that get me into heaven? And again, the class answered, no, 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 that won't get you into heaven. And so she said, what will get me into heaven? And there was a little boy in the back of the room that shouted out, you've got to be dead. Yeah, that's probably a pretty good thing, don't you, don't you think? I heard about another little boy that was standing by the side of the road, and a man came by who was lost, and he said to the little boy, Son, do you know how to get to town? 
And you got to think about Opie Taylor now. You got to hear it in a little southern drawl. One of his friends, a little boy said, Nope. The man said, Do you know where Route 20 is? The little boy said, Nope. The man said, Well, do you know where this road goes? And the little boy said, Nope. The man said, Do you know what the name of this street is? And the little boy said, Nope. Sort of exasperated, the man said, Boy, you don't know anything, do you? And the boy responded, I know I ain't lost. (laughs) You know, God wants you to know how to go to heaven, and God wants you to know that you're going to heaven. He wants you to know that you're not lost. God wants you to know those things for sure. And that's what 1 John chapter 5, the verses I've read to you here a few moments ago, are really teaching us, what they're really telling us, how we go to heaven, how we can go to heaven, and how we can know that we're going to heaven. You notice back in chapter 5, verse 13, he begins by saying, these things. It's an interesting little phrase. A lot of times people say, well, that means everything that John has written in the book heretofore. But the reality is that isn't quite accurate. If you just turn back to the first chapter, you'll notice that he uses this phrase a number of times through 1 John. In verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. What things? Well, the things that are found in verse 1, 2, and 3. Or you come to chapter 2 and verse 1, and he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. What things is he talking about? What has gone just before verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 of chapter 1? Or if you look over into chapter 2, you find in verse 26, he says, these things I have written to you. What things? Well, the things that he wrote just before in verses 19 to 24. So that when you get to chapter 5 and verse 13, and he says, these things I have written to you, the things that he's talking about are the things that we just read about in the verses that were just previous to this one. Specifically, notice in verse 11 and 12 that he gives you five facts that everybody ought to know. Fact number one, it's God who gives eternal life. Notice it, verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Where does eternal life come from? It comes from God. Fact number two, this life is in the Son. This eternal life is in the Son. The second half of verse 11, and this life is in his Son. Fact number three is that he who has the Son has this life. Look at it, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. Fact number four, if you don't have the Son, you don't have this life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then in verse 13 is fact number five. And that fact is that you can know that you have eternal life. These things I've written to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it fantastic that God says to us, not only can you know how to go to heaven, you can know for certain that you're going to heaven. You don't have to live with a hope so kind of a relationship with God. And yet it's epidemic, isn't it? It's epidemic. I have asked literally thousands of times over the course of my life as a Christian, 
people, I've asked people questions that go something like this. If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Do you know that you're right with God and you're ready to meet God? Do you know for certain that heaven will be your home one day? Questions like that I've asked thousands of times over the course of my life. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people answer back something like, well, I, I hope so, or I think so, or, or maybe so, when the reality is God wants you to know so that you have eternal life, that you're going to be with God in heaven and to be able to live with that kind of an assurance that God gives to us. You know, Christianity provides for us something that no other world religion offers, and that's the assurance of our eternal salvation. Think about the Buddhists for a minute, for a moment. Uh, the Buddhists are looking for nirvana. That's a state where you get through a multifold enlightenment process that brings you to extinction. At least that's my take on it. It brings you to extinction. And at that point, you've reached that blessed something that's called nothing. Or, or think about the Hindus. They're looking for Brahma. Brahma is that great God who pervades the universe, yet you get to know him through a cycle of birth and death and rebirth, reincarnation. And if you did well, you come back in a higher state. If you did badly, you come back in a lower state. Some of you are in big trouble. <laughs> or think about the Muslim. They're, they're required to repeat a creed. They have to give alms to the poor. They have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. They've got to pray five times daily. They've got to observe the fast of Ramadan. But if you ask a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim if they know for sure that they're going to heaven, the answer will come back every single time. No, I don't know that. Do you realize that only Christians can answer that question with a definitive yes? I know that I know that I'm going to heaven. I have that peace in my heart. I have that assurance that God has given to me. I have trusted in the finished work of Christ for salvation, and I have absolute assurance that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God, and that I have eternal life with him. Unfortunately, the church suffers from a spiritual ADD. I don't mean to be offensive to anyone who suffers with ADD. I'm talking about a spiritual ADD, that is an assurance deficit disorder. We have a spiritual ADD, an assurance deficit disorder. So many people sitting here listening to my voice, watching this service, don't know for certain and cannot speak with confidence and say, I know that I know that Christ is my Savior. And I know that I possess eternal life. And I know that after this life, I'll be with God in heaven. And I know that I'm his child. You know, I've thought a lot about that over the years, asking people these kinds of questions about their eternal destiny. Because if all you're living for is the 70 or 80 or 90 years you've got now, you're not, you're not looking far enough down the road. You know, you, you better look beyond what this life has to offer. Some of the reasons that I've decided put together into these categories to try to help understand why it is that, that people don't have the assurance of their salvation. The first is what I call unsaved membership. 
The reality is that sitting in our pews in the churches across America, there are a lot of people that are going to go to hell from the pews of our churches. They are people who like what the church is doing. They're people who uh, believe in some of the moral principles and the moral teachings of the church. They like the fact that we're trying to do something in the community to make a difference in people's lives. They love the fact that we're feeding the hungry and clothing those that that are naked. They they like the things that we're doing. They, They like the social atmosphere. They like the people they gather with. They got friends that come and they get together, get together, get together with their friends on a regular basis. And it's it's something that they they really enjoy. And maybe they believe that Jesus existed, that Jesus literally lived a life, that Jesus in the Bible is, is true, what it says about him in the Gospels. They believe that, but they have never believed on Christ for eternal life. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 that there would be those who had prophesied and those who had done these mighty works? And Jesus would say to them, they even say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus would say to them what? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And one of the most frightful things for me as a pastor, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is for someone to sit in my congregation, sit in this congregation, and to go to hell from the pews of our church. Simply because they were a good person, simply because they liked a lot of the things that we were doing, they want to go throw axes <laughs> at man camp this weekend. And they like a lot of the things that we're doing, but they have never yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as their only hope of eternal life with God. May I say to you today, if that's you, Your need at this moment is to trust in Jesus as the Savior. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. He took our penalty, the penalty of our sins on himself. He paid in full the price and the penalty of those sins. When he gave up his life, they put him in a tomb. They thought they had silenced him. But here's something that nobody else, no other world religion can say. Jesus rose from the grave, never to die again, victorious over sin and over death, and he lives today. And everybody who comes to Jesus and who receives Jesus Christ becomes a child of the living God. Isn't that great news? Sometimes people should doubt because they really don't know the Lord. The second category is what I call uncertain details. You know, there are always those people that I talk to about their eternal destiny, and they say, well, yeah, I believe I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven because I I know that Jesus is the only way, and I'm really trusting in Jesus. But, you know, I don't remember the prayer that I prayed, or I don't know exactly what was the motivation of the prayer that I prayed. And I, I can't even sometimes remember exactly what I prayed. And, friends, your hope is not in your prayer. I'm reminded of the man that went to the doctor, and he said, Doctor, there's something wrong with me. I can't remember anything. And the doctor said, Well, sit down here and tell me about it. And the man said, Tell me about what? Tell you about what? (laughs) Are you that way? (laughs) The older I get, the harder it is for me to remember. We have members of our staff that can remember names that are unbelievable, and I'm struggling to remember my own name some days. You know what I'm talking about. 
And a lot of times we go through life, you know, and we don't remember some of the details. We don't remember some of the things that, that happened in our lives. And the fact is, I wish everybody could point to an exact time when they received Jesus, but you don't have to be able to remember the exact time or the exact prayer that you prayed. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he was the Tiger Woods of his day. He was the Michael Jordan of his day. More of his books have sold than I think any other preacher uh, that's ever lived have sold. And he said a man can know when he's alive even if he cannot remember his birthday. So let me, let me ask you a question. Are you alive today? Do you remember everything there was about your birth? <laughs> that would be traumatic, don't you think? <laughs> you don't remember everything about your birth, but you know you were alive. And it's not about the words of the prayer you prayed. It's about whether you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Who are you trusting in today for eternal life? It best be Jesus Christ. There's a third reason why people doubt, and that's what I call unexplained truth. It's so unfortunate that many of the people that I've talked to that don't have the assurance of their salvation are simply people in that state because nobody ever told them that they could have the assurance of their salvation. Isn't that sad? Nobody ever explained to them. They were careful to explain the gospel to them and to show them what the gospel had to say and how to be born into the family of God, but they never went beyond that and explained to them, look, this is how you have the assurance of your salvation. And they live out their lives with the hope so, think so, I believe so kind of a relationship, but it was never explained to them. I'm going to explain it to you here in just a few moments. You can know that you know Jesus Christ. You don't have to question it. You don't have to wonder about it. You can answer the question, are you going to heaven when you die? With a definitive yes. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Other reasons why people doubt are what I call unsettled feelings. You know, a lot of people live on emotion. Have you met those folks? I try not to live that way. Sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down. But sometimes people I know are way up and they're way down. And it's like every few minutes they're way up and they're way down. And they live their whole lives on the basis of how they feel at any given moment. But our salvation is not based on our feelings. Our salvation is based on the promises of the Word of God and our faith in the Lord Jesus. I read about General McClellan. He wrote a letter to his wife during the Civil War. And he said to her, Today I've just been asked to take command of the Union forces. I don't feel a bit different than I did yesterday. In fact, I haven't put on my uniform. But it's true because President Lincoln's proclamation and orders lie in front of me. I am the new commander. <laughs> I got good news for you. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how you feel... At any given moment, you are a child of the living God. A well-known English preacher by the name of C.H. McIntosh said, We must not measure our standing by our state, but our state by our standing. Our standing never fluctuates. Our state of feeling fluctuates. You get what he's saying? No matter how you feel at any given moment, you can answer that you know that you know Jesus Christ if you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus. It's not about how you're feeling at any given moment. How many of you got up this morning feeling really, really good? Raise your hand. 
Raise your hand real high. You got a feeling really, really good. Put, put it up in the air. Put it, you are the ones that we most dislike. <laughs> Don't you hate people to get up feeling good? You know, it, it takes me for a little while to warm up to feel good, you know? But here's the thing. It's not on the basis of how you feel or you don't feel. It's on the basis of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people lack the assurance of salvation because of what we'll call unconfessed sin. There's something that's hindering their fellowship with God. As a matter of fact, I would tell you, I believe 1 John isn't about how to know that you're a child of the living God. Some people believe that. They believe that 1 John is about how to know whether or not you're a child of the living God. They apply all of these tests as to whether you are or you are not. Actually, the book of 1 John is about how to know whether you're in fellowship with God or not. It's written to believers. And he goes through here asking questions, not about whether you're right with God or not, but whether you're in fellowship with God, whether there's communion that exists between you and the Father and the Father in you. God wants us to live in communion with him. And when we're out of communion with him, then inevitably we feel as if something must be wrong. Maybe I'm not saved because you're living out of communion. Think of it this way. Have you ever been so sick that anything you put in your mouth was distasteful? Or maybe you were taking some kind of medication and that medication changed the way things tasted in your mouth and everything you put in your mouth just tasted horrible. But then the day came, either you got better or you got off the medication and suddenly you cut into that steak for the first time and you put it in your mouth and oh boy, did it ever taste good. Maybe for you it's Krispy Kreme donuts. I think no matter what you're taking, Krispy Kreme donuts should be the answer. No matter how you feel at any moment. And suddenly your taste changes and it all comes back. Can I tell you, that's sort of what it's like when you're living in fellowship and out of fellowship with God. He tasted good, but something came into your life. It changed the way you taste. You no longer taste the Lord the way you used to. It doesn't seem the same as it used to. And until you deal with that thing and it gets right with God, you're never going to taste and see, as the psalmist said, this incredible Lord who's our Savior. You get the analogy? And aren't you thankful in 1 John, he told us exactly how to get these things right? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... Well, that's the end of it, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us. Isn't that great? That's not about getting right with God for the first time. That's about staying in fellowship and living in fellowship with God. And a lot of people aren't sure of their eternal salvation because of unconfessed sin. There's a sixth one I mentioned why I've noticed a lot of people don't have the assurance of salvation, and that's what I call unreasonable demands. Unreasonable demands. I'm talking about legalistic preaching. I'm talking about preaching that's about rules and regulations rather than about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the kind of preaching that's on a performance-based kind of acceptance. You're accepted with God on the basis of your performance. Uh, Please understand, I'm not talking about avoiding anything that the Bible says. 
Whatever the Bible says is true is true and should be preached as the truth. Amen? It, it should be preached as the truth. But sometimes we preachers go beyond what Jesus says and we begin to create our own rules and regulations and we begin to create this, uh, this uh, whole standard of how we're supposed to behave in every situation. And the result is it leaves people, some people, who have a weak conscience, who aren't deep in the faith, who don't understand the truths of Scripture, it leaves them questioning their salvation. Can I just tell you, you are accepted by God through the Lord Jesus Christ on the basis of your faith in Jesus alone. Aren't you thankful for that? He made it so simple that a young child can believe in Jesus or a man or a woman who are about to go into eternity can believe in Jesus. And then finally, I think sometimes people doubt, at least my experience has been because of what we call unwise comparisons. I remember when I was a teenager going to some revival meetings and people would walk the aisle. Remember that phrase? They'd walk the aisle. They walked the aisle. That's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. We do that sometimes. They would walk the aisle and they'd come down and they, they would get saved. They'd receive Christ as their Savior and they'd have these big tears running down their face. And, you know, sometimes they'd turn around and have them say something. And they'd say, well, I feel like the, there's a weight lifted off my shoulders and it's like a sun. I see the sun and it's brighter than it's ever been. And I'm thinking, hmm, I didn't cry any tears when I got saved and I, I didn't feel that weight quite like that. And, I mean, it was nighttime when I got saved. I couldn't even see the sun. And we start comparing ourselves. Listen, the salvation that we all enjoy is common to every one of us. But the experience of that salvation is unique to you. Because you're a unique individual. Some of you are very emotional. Some of you aren't very emotional. It's a unique experience. The question isn't whether your experience matches exactly somebody else's experience, except in the fact of whether you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior or not. And so there's a lot of reasons why people doubt. And maybe you can think of some beyond the ones that I've shared with you. Maybe why you have gone through a period of doubts and you came out the other side. But the reality is this. God wants you to know how to go to heaven and he wants you to know for certain that you're going to heaven. By the way, you're not ready to live in this life until you're ready to meet God in the life to come. You don't understand the real meaning and the real purpose of this life. You don't understand the eternal things of God until you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, okay, pastor, I get it. I need to know how to go to heaven, and I need to know that I know I'm going to heaven. I get it. I need to be saved, and I need to have the assurance of that salvation. Listen, if you don't have those things, you don't have peace. You don't have joy. You're not one who's given to service to God. There's no joy in the service that you render to God. You just go through the motions. You're going through the actions, but there is no reality to the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm battling. You're battling. I don't feel that confidence that you're talking about. Well, let's begin at the beginning. Have you put your faith in Jesus for eternal life? He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. You can't get to the Father any other way than through Jesus. 
I'm not asking you about your baptism. I'm not asking you whether you are a friend of a pastor or a friend of a preacher. I'm not asking you what your good works are or your good deeds may be. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life? I'm not trusting in, relying on, leaning on anything other than Jesus. Jesus is my only hope period. Can you say that? Can you say that? If you can't say that, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior today. Nail it down. Settle it once and for all. Get right with God. The forgiveness of your sins. Know that you're a child of God because you've trusted in Jesus. Let's just say for a moment, You're one of those who has trusted in Jesus, but you're still having questions, maybe because of some of these things we've talked about previously. I'm still having questions. Sometimes I I don't feel saved. There's three things I want to say to you. First of all, you need to know that Christ's power is what secures you, not your power. I want you to take your Bible with me. I want you to look back, if you will, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, listen to what he says in verse 5. We'll start reading in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now listen, who are kept by the power of God. Oh, I love that. Don't you? You don't love that? We are kept by the power of God. That's an incredible statement. This is not about whether you can hold on to God long enough to get into heaven. This is about God holding on to you, and he's never lost a one. We are secure in his hands. Listen to John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Isn't that great news? You say, I want to know that I know that I know. I know, preacher, of a moment when I put my faith in Jesus to trust him as my Savior. I, I know where I was. I know when that happened, when I received Christ as my Savior, but I still don't live with that assurance. You need to stop and remember that it's not what you do that saves you. It's what Christ has done for you. And he is the one who holds you and he keeps you. Christ's power secures us. But secondly, I want you to know that Christ's provision seals us. Look with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1. Mark these verses in your Bible if you're one of those having a struggle with it. Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to what he says. In him you also trusted. Isn't that what we just talked about? In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, what has to happen? you got to hear the gospel. When you hear the gospel, then you trust in Jesus. He says, the gospel of your salvation in whom also you have believed. Having believed, he says, you were sealed 
with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know what happens the moment you believe on Jesus? You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God takes up residence in your life, and he provides for you a guarantee, a seal that you belong to him, that you are his child. You need to recognize that Christ's power is what secures us, and Christ's provision is what seals us. He's put his mark on us. He said, you belong to me. You are my child. I have placed within you the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are my child, sealed. I like the word sealed. You are sealed till the day of redemption when you see Jesus Christ face to face. And thirdly, not only does Christ's power secure us and Christ's provision seal us, but Christ's promises are what settle us. I don't know where to go for this one. I'm just going to take you to John chapter 3 for a moment. John chapter 3, verse 16, the best-known verse maybe in the Gospels. John chapter 3, verse 16. Sometimes you just have to take God at his word, not sometimes, all the time. You have to just take God at his word. Listen to what he says, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And can I tell you, there are dozens of verses like that. You say, what do you do? You stop and remember that it's not about you holding on to God. It's God holding on to you, that he's provided the seal of the Holy Spirit who indwells you, and his promises are where you stand. If you're going to be sure, you've got to stand on something that's sure, and his word is sure. And you go and you take him at his word again and again. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that this, this, this Bible is your birth certificate. You know, the most important documents, one of the most important documents that's on record for you is your birth certificate. Does yours have your little feet prints on them? How many of you have feet prints on your birth certificate? How many of you have a birth certificate? <laughs> For some of you, that was before they had ink, I suppose. <laughs> you know, you put the little feet prints on the birth certificate. You know, that's your birth certificate. Fact of the matter is, you don't remember anything about that day, but you got a certificate that says that you were born on that particular day, and you can't take white out and change the year. It's not allowed. It, it tells you what day you were born. You may forget what day you were born. Others may question what day you were born. But you've got a birth certificate that says, on this day I was born. Can I tell you something? You've got a birth certificate. And it says on the day that you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you've got a birth certificate that says it proves you are a child of God. I love that. One scholar, Dr. Kistemacher, writes in his exposition of 1 John, he says, by the phrase, so that you may know, he does not mean to come to know, as in come to know Christ as Savior. He does not mean to come to know, but to have assurance. He says, believers have the assurance of eternal life and the right to be called the children of God. That's great news. You know, sometimes you wonder, does anybody else feel like I feel? I was interested to read 
an article by J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer is presently the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He has been the last three years. I think he'll be replaced uh, this coming uh, convention whenever that occurs. But this is what he said. Listen, listen to his words. I've said before that if there was a Guinness World Record for the amount of time someone had prayed the sinner's prayer, I'm pretty sure I would hold it. By the time I graduated high school, I probably prayed the sinner's prayer 5,000 times. Every time a speaker gave an invitation to be saved, I'd take it. And then if they'd ask for a show of hands or come down front or to throw your stick in the fire, I'd do it. Honestly, it got a little embarrassing. I've walked a lot of aisles in those days. I've been saved in youth camps all over the nation, once in every denomination. I got baptized four times. That doesn't even include an infant, uh, an infant baptism. That's four times after I was grown up, he says. I was a staple in my church baptismal lineup. My church gave me my own locker in the baptismal area. <laughs> but listen to his final, his, final, his final words. But I wanted to know. Because that's not the kind of thing you want to be wrong about. That's not the kind of thing you want to be wrong about.